Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday sermon series, Christmas at the Movies. This series will highlight biblical truths from classic Christmas movies, such as Elf and Miracle on 34th Street. It's a fun way of revealing the true meaning of Christmas. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Welcome all of you here today for our Christmas service. We're going to just uh, continue in the service. We welcome all of you. We're glad you're here and and believe the Lord to bless you this Christmas. And uh, we're in a new series or this month we've been in a series called Christmas at the Movies. And what we're doing this month is we're getting some of the Christmas movies and some of the classic Christmas movies and some of the popular Christmas movies. And what we're doing is we're gleaning some of the ideals and thoughts and how they work their way in the Word of God. Because many of the themes of Christmas movies, believe it or not, have the Word of God in them. And so uh, last week we talked about, uh, I wasn't here, I was in Pittsburgh watching the Pittsburgh Steelers win uh, the Patriots. But anyway, um, uh, that's a whole other story. But, uh, but uh, last week I heard you guys were talking about the Grinch, right? The Grinch. And the week before that, it was Elf. And so uh, today, we're going to talk about Home Alone. So I'm going to show you a clip on Home Alone. If you haven't seen the movie, go ahead and show that clip on that. All right, Home Alone. And so we're going to be talking about Home Alone. But if you haven't seen the movie, it's a pretty funny movie. And uh, again, you could watch the trailer. But basically, the main character is this eight-year-old named Kevin McAllister. And he lives in a wealthy neighborhood and a wealthy home in Chicago. And of course, as you can see, he gets in an argument there with his family. They're all getting ready to go to Europe. And he's kind of uh, in that age where he's neither cute nor mature and he's kind of a pest. And so they, uh, he gets in trouble. They sit him up to the attic to sleep. And so he says, man, I wish I never had a family. And uh, he's a family suck. That's what he says. And, of course, he wakes up the next morning there in a rush to go, and they forget about him. They think he's with the cousins or the parents do, and they forget about him. And he wakes up in the morning, and he realizes by himself, and he thinks his wish has come true that he's home alone. And he eats all the junk food, looks everywhere he wants to, and it doesn't matter. He can get up and go to sleep whenever he wants, eat as much as he wants. But he realizes after all, of course, he deals with these robbers. But at the end, he realizes after all the antics and all these things that he was wishing for to be alone, this freedom doesn't bring the peace that he was looking for. And so the reality is all of us this morning, at some point or another, we deal with being alone. And so I want to talk about that this morning, that you're never alone. God is with you. And so this morning, I'm going to read a, a verse of scripture here out of Psalms 23, verse 4. It says, Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of the deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me. For you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through, through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely You are near me. So I want to pray and ask the Lord to help us this morning. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, God, that your word is true. And, Father, that we are never alone, that you're with us. And, God, we could be rest assured that you're around us, you're in us, you're with us today. 
I pray today for every person in this room. I pray the word of God would speak to their hearts and minister to their lives wherever they're at right now, wherever they find themselves spiritually. Lord, I pray that you'll speak into their lives. I pray for the anointing of your word be upon every, uh, just your anointing be upon every word that I speak today. And Father, help us to give you our 100% undivided attention. I pray that the people hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name, and the people said, Amen. Amen. I don't know how many of you have ever felt a place of loneliness where you felt lonely. There is a, a book by Lee Strobel, and he talked about that people today are willing to admit almost anything. They're willing to admit they have a drug problem. They're willing to admit they have an alcohol problem. They're willing to admit they have a financial problem. But there's one admission that people are very reluctant to make, whether they're a TV star or whether they're a person uh, just that lives a, uh, a regular life. The people are very, very hard for them to admit that they are lonely. Most people will never admit that they're alone or they feel alone or they feel by themselves. It's a it's one of those words or one of those taboo things that people don't talk about. In fact, according to a Los Angeles psychiatrist named Leonard Zunin, he said this, despite the fact that the average American meets as many people in one year as their ancestors met in a lifetime 100 years ago, loneliness is the main problem facing Americans today. And so loneliness is common it's more common than we realize. The feeling of loneliness is even compounded during the holidays. The feeling of loneliness is compounded during Christmas. We begin to think about family. We begin to think about where we're at. And, and it could really get a hold of us if we let it. And so I want to talk about one of the characters here in Scripture. Uh, here announcing the birth of Christ. We could talk about Jesus, of course, and we are. We could talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, but I'm going to talk about a character that most people don't talk about, and that's the character of Joseph, who is the surrogate father of the Son of God. And I want to talk about him and really kind of talk about his loneliness. There's not a lot of scripture that you could find concerning Joseph. But one thing I can tell you for sure, that during the announcements and during all the things that happened of the birth of Christ, I can tell you that Joseph probably felt pretty lonely. In fact, I can tell you that he probably felt a little betrayed and felt a little uh, taken uh, advantage of. And I'll tell you the story here as we read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. It said, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with a child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was the righteous man and did not want to expose her to the public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So you can imagine how he felt. He felt betrayed. He felt lonely. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, 
And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with a child and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union or no intimacy with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus, right? The name above every name. Now, you can imagine how Joseph must have felt when he first learned that Mary was pregnant. When he first heard about it, when he first found out that she'd been pregnant. Uh, now, we live in a culture of dating today where before you marry someone, uh, you date them and then you fall in love. But back then, that's not how it worked. In ancient times, uh, you didn't meet someone and then fall in love with them. In ancient times, it was a prearranged marriage. Your parents arranged who you were going to marry. Now, could you imagine if your parents were in charge? Some of you wouldn't even be married today. Some of you, your father-in-law could have killed you, uh, and by the grace of God, you're married. But uh, back then, that's how marriages were done. They were prearranged. Uh, parents arranged the marriages to come together, and that's how it was. And so here, Joseph has uh, been prearranged to marry, uh, to get, you know, to uh, engage to marry, and he finds out in their engagement that she's pregnant. Uh, basically, what they called it was a betrothal, or you're betrothed to your, uh, the one that you're going to be married. But when you were betrothed to somebody back then, it was as binding as a marriage. In other words, if you were to break that engagement, you had to be released uh, uh, basically with divorce papers. That's how binding it was. And so the Bible says that Joseph finds out that Mary's pregnant. He goes, I'm not going to marry her. You can imagine how alone he must have felt. His heart was broken. All of a sudden, you know, she tells him, hey, I'm pregnant. You can imagine what was going on in his mind. He probably, probably wondered about the gossip that would go around. He probably wondered what would people say. Not much different today, right? Something goes on and it spreads through Facebook now. It spreads everywhere and everybody finds out about it. And so you can imagine the gossip that uh, he was going to hear. And so he... He was looking for a way to get out of this. What can I do? You know, how can I get out of this? He was probably wondering what the newspapers would say, what the Nazareth Inquirer would say, what maybe what it would say on the, what would the internet headline say? You know, what would it say about this girl who, who claims to, to be pregnant? Uh, uh, and you can imagine, you know, maybe one of the headlines would have said, my baby's here to save the world. I'm a virgin. A young girl says an angel spoke to her about what to name the baby. Could you imagine that? Or here's my favorite. Who's the daddy? <laughs> Woman claims God. Fiance says, fiance says, it's not me. So you can imagine all these things going through his mind. But some of these things, uh, again, never change because all of a sudden he has to take a course of action. He has to find out or he has to uh, pursue what he's going to do about this, what decision he's going to have to make concerning uh, uh, the one he's going to be married to. And so he has to go through the stress of this decision. Now, I can imagine he felt pretty alone because this is something he didn't want to make public. 
Now, maybe you could relate to this. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you had to make a decision, but you couldn't tell everybody about it? Maybe it was over a family member. Maybe, maybe it was a decision uh, uh, over some, a situation in your family, but you just couldn't call anyone. And so the stress and the loneliness of having to make that decision is very, very difficult. This is where we find Joseph. Joseph is in this situation. Now, he had a, a few different options. The Bible says, first of all, that Joseph was a righteous man. In other words, he followed the law of God. And so he knew that marrying a woman that was carrying a child would not reflect very good on him, and it would not reflect very good on his family. And so he had a couple of options. Option number one was to accuse Mary of adultery. And, of course, back then, a man could do that. He could accuse his wife of adultery. It was something that he could do. And, of course, there were consequences to adultery back then. Several different consequences. If you lived in Egypt, if a woman was caught in adultery, they would cut off her nose. If you lived in another place in Persia, they not only cut off your nose, but they cut off your ears. In Israel, if you're caught in adultery, the woman was stoned to death. So this was a serious crime. The second thing he could do is he could quietly divorce her. Back then, a man could divorce his wife just because. He could just say, I, I, I divorce you. You burnt the tortilla. That's it. We're done. Uh, uh, you burnt the toast. Uh, you know, we're, we're not going to be married. You, you could do that back then, and that's the way divorce proceedings were done uh, as long as the man declared it. And so it could be done that way. But Joseph, having a heart of grace, having a heart of mercy, took his wife because we know in the story we just read God intervened thank God for God intervention right God intervened and basically he awakes uh, uh, Joseph awakes and realizes that he's not alone because an angel speaks to him in a dream and says you, you're to take Mary as your wife uh, she's conceived, and, and that conception is of the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible says at that point, Joseph realizes, hey, God's with me. I'm not alone. Thank God. God is with you. I said, God is with you. You're not alone. See, there's a lot of decisions many times where we feel we're alone, but if you'll call on God, he'll help you. In fact, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 31, the Lord himself goes before you, and will be with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Of course, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, I am with you what? Always. I'm always with you. And so that's the thing. And, and so we have to remember when God's with us, uh, you can have the courage to face some of your fears. Let me just tell you something about courage. Courage is not, uh, not having fear. Courage is being able to face your fears. Courage is willing to look pain in the face and say, I'm going to make it through this. And so Joseph had to have some courage. I'm always thinking about the wither of all. Courage, you know. Anyway, uh, the, the lion got to have some courage, right? Uh, what separated uh, King David or the, uh, uh, little David when he faced Goliath uh, what separated him from the soldiers that were afraid of the giant was David had some courage. God tells Joshua in the book of Joshua chapter 1, be strong and be courageous. And so there's something about courage. In fact, I believe what's rooted, the root of courage is faith. We've got to have some faith. 
We've got to be willing to trust God in whatever situation we're in uh, and be, believe God that he is with us. So the Bible says that he gets his wife uh, uh, that he's going to, again, that he's been engaged to and she's pregnant and they have to go to Bethlehem because they have to fulfill some responsibility. Let me read in Luke chapter 2. It says this, verse number 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place with Quirinius. I could be pronouncing it wrong, but we just call him whatever. Amen. With the governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of that Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Of course, you know the story. Here is Joseph. He has to travel to Bethlehem to register his family in the census that they're taking. Some of you have ever filled that out. You filled out a census paper to find out what the population is, all these different diversities of people. Back then, that's what was going on. He had to go register. Back then, you couldn't do it online. There was no online stuff. There was no mail. You had to go personally to register. So he's going to Bethlehem. And could you imagine the intense pressure that Joseph had? He had to take his wife, who was already, she was already due, she was already going to have a baby, uh, take her on this donkey. I don't know about you, man, but a donkey ride is not a pleasant ride. And so had to take her on a donkey, had to get over there to uh, to Bethlehem to register them. And you can imagine traveling probably wasn't very cheap back then either. There was no freeway. There was no uh, holiday inn to stay at. Uh, they had to find a place to stay. And, of course, we know the Bible says uh, where they went to stay, they had no room there. And so they had to go sleep in a barn. And, of course, in the barn, she has Jesus. But could you imagine the stress that was involved in there and, and how he must have felt as the surrogate father to the son of God, how he must have felt as Mary, uh, you know, he, Mary was looking to him for responsibility, the stress and the loneliness he must have felt. Because a lot of times, even as uh, you and I, you probably felt, how many have ever felt like a failure as a parent? How many have felt like a failure as a husband? How many of you have said, man, I, I don't qualify. I can't, uh, I'm not doing a good job. Uh, how many have ever taken a job or a promotion and said, man, I don't think I'm, I'm cut out for this. And man, I'm wondering if I could do this. I was uh, reading a book called The Quest for Character. And Chuck Swindoll writes in this book about a PBS program that came out from the Library of Congress and this guy by the name of Dr. Daniel Borstein, the librarian of the uh, Library of Congress, brought out a little blue box, and in it he held, or it was labeled, the contents of the president's pocket on the night of April 14, 1865. And that fateful night, Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, and 
what they 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 basically put all his belongings, whatever was in his pocket, they put put it in this little blue box, and the camera displayed. You can go online, but don't do it right now. But you could find and see the things that were in President Lincoln's pocket. Could you imagine if you died? We're not hoping you died, but if you did, what would what would we find in your pocket? And so five things were found in President Lincoln's pocket. One was a handkerchief that was embroiled A. Lincoln. The second thing was the country boy's uh, knife. The third thing was spectacles, a case uh, that was repaired with strings. The other one was a $5 Confederate bill. And the fifth thing that was very interesting were some old, worn newspaper clippings. They were old, worn newspaper clippings, but the clippings of the newspaper were written or were complimentary remarks of President Lincoln's uh, uh, um, uh, presidency. In other words, there were very complimentary remarks about his presidency, and he kept those clippings in his pocket. Now, many people, the reason why that's important is that during his term as president, Many people criticize Abraham Lincoln. Now, today we say Abraham Lincoln was one of the best presidents ever lived. He did this and that. But, I, but I'm telling you, back then, they hated Lincoln. They criticized him. They talked about him. They said a lot of things. And so he found very few clippings where someone actually liked him. And so he put it in his pocket. Could it be? Is it possible that maybe there were times where he felt lonely and unqualified? And maybe he took out those clippings to find encouragement. To say, you know what? I'm going to read with some good things. Sometimes we're always listening to the bad things that people say. What about the good things that people say about you? Sometimes we let the bad things that people say about us overshadow the good things. You know, sometimes you just need to turn off Facebook and read the Bible and see what the Bible says about you. The good things that the Word of God says to you. Could be. And so if we go back to Joseph, Joseph has... This situation now where I'm sure he's feeling stress of loneliness. He's feeling stress of responsibility. Of course, we know that the announcement of Jesus, uh, the shepherds here, uh, the angels pronounce the uh, coming of Jesus. Uh, the kings come from the east uh, uh, basically to see Jesus. Uh, there's the heavenly host in the sky. And so Joseph is understanding now that this is the son of God. This is Emmanuel God is with us. That's what they name him because how many understand that God is available to us 24 hours a day? There's no place that God is not. Hallelujah. God is with you in whatever situation, however dark, however, however bright, God is there. There's no place you can go where God is not. How many thank God that you can pray to God and he listens to you? That you don't get a busy signal or you don't get God saying, you know what, I need to put you on hold right now. I'm dealing with crisis in the Middle East and I don't have time for your little petty thing. But thank God he listens to you and he meets your need. Uh, he's with you. I said God is with you today. And so we find here that Joseph is probably feeling a little overwhelmed and he's saying, man, you know, how am I going to do this? See, thank God that when Jesus rose again, that he said, you know what, you'll never be alone because I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit who will comfort you. He said in John 16, 7, but I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor 
will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Hallelujah. He'll send the counselor to you. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to comfort you. Whenever you feel alone, understand that the Holy Spirit is there to comfort you, to bring you counsel and bring you guidance. So many of us this morning, you may find yourself feeling alone, feeling by yourself, but I can tell you today, God's with you. Even when the pressure, even when you're fighting the battle. Now, this is what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. It says, when they had gone... An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, get up, he said, take the child and mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod, it said, is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, he took the child and his mother during the night, and he left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet out of Egypt I have called my son. So Joseph is not only feeling lonely, but he's under attack by this malicious king by the name of King Herod. King Herod is jealous that there's another king that's been born, and he's out to assassinate uh, this baby. He's out to assassinate Jesus. Uh, so Joseph is on the run, man. Uh, he's got to go hide out in Egypt until uh, it's safe to come back again. And so all of this is going on. And then the Bible says in Matthew 2, verse 16, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, which is the wise men, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, and accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So this fear must have got a hold of him. This fear of knowing that King Herod was not was coming after him, coming after that baby. Man, fear must have got a hold of him. How many know the, the combination of fear and loneliness is pretty scary? Am I right? It's pretty depressing. Not only do you feel alone, but now you're fearful. In fact, we live in a society where people are afraid of almost anything today. They have all kinds of phobias out there today where people are just afraid. I mean, there's some really uh, illogical Phobias, man. I, I was really I reading one phobia. It said, uh, "Paletophobia, the fear of becoming bald." That's probably something I got. The fear of bald people. That's what it is. Uh, another one was tripophobia, the fear of holes. So if you see something with holes in it, you're afraid of it. Uh, Chitophobia, the fear of hairy people. So if you had a lot of hair, there's some people scared of you. Levophobia, the fear of objects on the left side of the body. Dextrophobia, the fear of objects on the right side of the body. So you got fear of both sides. Calipropobia, the fear of obscure meanings. And this was a weird one. Adontophobia, the fear of teeth. So you better not be a dentist if you have one of these, right? Graphophobia, the fear of writing in public. And phophobia, the fear of being afraid. How can you be afraid of being afraid? But I don't know. That's how it works. So, so when you get out of all these things, uh, there are a lot of people that are fearful and living in fear. And this is why I believe God, one of the first things he does when he shows up or when an angel shows up, he tells them, fear not. 
Don't be afraid. In other words, I'm with you. Can I tell you something? Some of you need to hear this. Fear not. God is with you. He, he's there to help you through. You're not by yourself. The Bible says that he tells Joseph, you know what? You need to get the infant, and you need to go. And so basically go into Egypt and stay there for a while, and you're going to be safe. And when it's finally time for you to come out, I'll let you know. And, of course, he gives them the guidance, God giving them the guidance to trust him. And so all of us this morning in our lives, we have to have this ability, or we have to find it inside of us to be able to trust God, to say, God, you know, I, I don't understand it all, but somehow, Lord, you're going to help me through this. And so the scripture said in Matthew 2.19, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream of Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother, go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, he took the child and his mother, went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ringing in Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. He went to live and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophet, he will be called a Nazarene. And so the lesson we need to see here, even though Joseph was afraid, he wasn't alone. Can you say amen? And we may, be alone. we may feel afraid. We may feel mad, but you're never alone. We may feel like, how are we going to get there? How are we going to get to this place and that place? And I want you to know God is providing for you. And I'll tell you what, you don't have to force anything to happen. God is with you. I was thinking of this story of uh, years ago. My friend, was, uh, he was a salesman, and he would provide restaurant supplies uh, to different restaurants. He sold supplies to them. And he ended up building some pretty good relationships with some of these restaurant owners. And one restaurant owner took a liking to him and said, listen, I, I, you know, I really appreciate your service and, and I want to do something for you and your wife. And he said, sure. You know, he said, I, I have a place in Ensenada and uh, I want you to just spend the weekend there and, uh, you know, I have, I have people that take care of it, but I'll make sure they won't be there when you're there because they clean up. I have people to clean up the place. And I'll just make sure that particular weekend they won't be there so you could spend the day there or the weekend there with your wife. He said, that's awesome. So he gets there to this place. And this is this beautiful house. And it's on the cliff overseeing the ocean. I mean, it's beautiful. And he, he can look through the big glass windows of this house this beautiful kitchen, the beautiful living room. He could even see through it where he could see that overlooking the cliff there, you could see the ocean. He said, oh, man, this is awesome. And, of course, he's looking at his wife like, man, I'm scoring points big time, man. I, I am, I'm, I'm so good right now. My wife, man, she's so proud of me, you know, and he, he, gets, he gets the keys. Uh, I guess it's under some pot, you know, and he, and he goes, no, don't worry, honey. And he, they got their bags, and they're, they're ready to go into the front entrance of the door. And he turns the key. He pulls the door, and it won't open. He does everything he can to get this door open, but he just can't get it open. And he goes, man, I, maybe I grabbed the wrong key. It was the time where there, were, there wasn't cell phones back then, so you just couldn't make a call like you could today. And so he goes, man, I don't know how I'm going to be able to get a hold of him. And so he goes, maybe I, maybe I don't have the front door. Maybe, maybe there's a, 
a back door. So he goes to the side of the house, and, and the, uh, there's a door, there's a little uh, door on the side of the house, and he goes, okay, maybe this is the entrance. So he goes over, and he opens the door, and sure enough, it's a room, and it has a small bed, and it has a, a restroom there. And he's thinking, is this it? I mean, this is what he's blessing me with? He goes, it, oh, and he realized it's the maid's quarters. So he goes, this guy blessed me and brought me and my wife so he could bless me with the maid's quarters. And so he was really mad. And you can imagine how upset you are. And his wife says, what is this? He goes, well, it, it, the only door that opened was this. And he goes, like, I guess we're supposed to go, but you mean he told you he was going to really, you know, I, I don't get this. She goes, I, I'm not going to stay here. He goes, well, honey, this is the only room we have. You know, this, this is the maid's quarters, I guess, you know. So they're really discouraged. He can't believe it. He's walking around thinking, man, you know, the guy, he wants me to stay in the maid's quarters? I, he made it sound like I was going to get the house. He made it sound like I was going to enjoy this big house. And here I am at the maid's quarters. And he finally goes back to the door. And again, he's trying to pull the door open, and he turns it again, and this time, instead of pulling the door, he pushes the door, and the door goes right open. <laughs> He'd been pulling instead of pushing. <laughs> Are you hearing me? And he got inside, said it was this beautiful house, this beautiful stairway, he went up to the room, he said, the jacuzzi had this big window that overlooked the ocean. Him and his wife were in the jacuzzi. They could see the, I mean, he said, we had the grandest time. And I began to think about that analogy as, uh, as I was thinking about the sermon. Because sometimes we can be so focused on the circumstances that we don't see the big picture of what God's trying to do. And sometimes God says, I have this door. All you have to do is just push the door open. But we're so caught up in all the wrong circumstances of life. We're caught up in being lonely. We're caught up in this. And God said, no, I've got something greater. Sometimes you're pushing the wrong door. Are you hearing me? You're opening the wrong door. And God says, if you'll just go to the door I told you to go to, I have something great for you to enjoy. Can I tell you something? Despite what you're going through in life, I believe God has something great for you. I said, I believe God has something great for all of you this morning. That you're never alone. That the blessings of God are for you and for every single person in this place. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know this morning. and uh, you're, you're trying to navigate through things in life. I can just tell you this. If you'll stay focused on God, he'll guide you. You're never alone today. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount. Or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.